0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Going on, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. Means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way, right here and right now. This one officially go down as episode number 205. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution 365 24 7 all day any day get on to twitter or x if you will at casey stern jump into the bio subscribe get to the youtube channel get all the videos and content and conversation and of course where most of you are equal opportunists that we are here at unfiltered and that is of course at itunes and spotify and everywhere else that you get your podcasts. and thank you to the unfiltered band a lot to get to here on the show. A little bit of a bounce around of Major League Baseball and hit some news and notes and some other sports as well. A lot to get to before we get out the door. You can always get in with topics and ideas for guest conversations, chats, and more by hitting me up over on Twitter or on YouTube in the comments or get to me directly and send me a message. I apologize for a little bit of uh, the. I guess inactivity here over the last few days. Uh, been busy, but good to chat with you and to have you on board. And always good to know that we are on board here, in large part because of our good friends at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs, latest odds, lines, matchup reports, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. You can get with Bet Online as they continue to be the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, live betting, favorite casino and card games. They're all available right from your phone and right now. Just head over to the website and get over to your mobile device and sign up today get in on the action and remember to use the promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v get your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit it is bet online where the game starts as we get started right here and good to have you on board uh, i'm gonna kind of bounce around in no particular order a bunch of things that i want to get to for baseball let's start with baseball in new york and what a disaster it is i think it was the sixth inning yesterday which is just a microcosm as I do this here if you're listening to it uh, delayed on the podcast side on, uh, what, Wednesday, August the 16th. But... That sixth inning where they gave up six runs to the Pirates, end up losing seven to four. Another loss for the Mets, who have been just a disaster. Gave up like 900 runs uh, here in Atlanta last weekend. I'm walking around with a Met hat at the pool with my kids last weekend and getting chastised. Uh, You're know, jokingly, so I'll be fair because they were, were friendly. Not my neighbors, but uh, they were uh, talking to me about all the touchdowns that were scored against my baseball team last weekend. What a disgrace it is, As I sit here, the Mets are now 54-66. and 66, But this is more about, because that is no news to anybody else, what has really deserved more conversation. And that is the disaster that the Yankees are after another brutal loss. And how many have they had? I mean, sitting there with, what, a five-run lead with Holmes on a mound less than a week ago. They're now 60-60. and 60, They've lost four in a row. They are not only in last place in the American League East, but they are sitting there now, and we know this is extra insult to injury. They are sitting now three and a half games behind the Boston Red Sox for that dubious honor. In terms of the wild card situation in the American League right now, the Yankees sit six and a half games out after winning just three of their last ten. This is a a really bad situation right now in New York. And it it gets bad to worse. Look, when – and this is – not easy for me because over many years and uh, he's been a friend and he's a terrific guy and he, he won a fantasy league that I ran at least three times. I think it may be four um, in Booney and Aaron Boone. He's one of the best people in baseball, but it is never, never good when a manager is talking about taking personal pride is quote yesterday after the loss. We need to take some personal pride. Aaron Judge says, quote, we're not showing up. That's what it comes down to. We're not showing up when we need to, especially down the stretch. We've gotten every opportunity to keep ourselves in the race, and he's right. But we're not capitalizing on what we need to. Now, they've had injuries. Clearly, Judge, for the majority of the season, we know about Rodon now, we know about all the different things that have gone wrong, Rizzo and guys who have been banged up. But relying on too many old guys who have not gotten it done, uh, too, relying you know, too much on... A pitching staff that, even though Cole has been brilliant at the front, has not had the depth or the health or the combination of the two to get them where they need to do, and more than anything else, and this was a big problem with this team over the course of last postseason. This is nothing new, and that's a Brian Cashman problem, not an Aaron Boone problem, that part. Because, look, uh, I'm I'm not going to mince words. It is what it is. The situation right now, I think you have to believe there's a new manager and maybe a new GM next year for the Yankees. Certainly, if George Steinbrenner, I know we do this all the time, but if George Steinbrenner run the place, they out the building already. And I'm not saying that all the blame goes at one place or another. And to me, this is actually, I think Cash has done a terrific job for a long time. I just and I said this in a recent podcast, I think Brian Cashman has been there too long. I think that situation is stale. I don't think he is. I don't think the team is. I think that combination of the two, that relationship needs to go. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Bolt change. If it was George, we know what would happen. But there may be, I don't care what Steinbrenner it is, even too much pressure now to not go ahead and do that, sitting there facing under 500 in last place. And the Orioles, of all people, nobody expected in my Gosh, I know they're a really good baseball team. But that, look, not good. Okay, Red Sox had no expectations this year. They're sitting there with opportunity to get in the playoffs three and a half games ahead of you. And look where you are. But the problem the Yankees had at the end of last season is the same problem they have at the beginning of this one. And that is a personnel situation when you don't change that, when you don't alter that, when you don't improve that, if you're Brian Cashman and that problem, they can't get big hits. And if it wasn't Aaron Judge at the end of last year, they weren't getting it from anybody. When Aaron Judge wasn't there, they weren't getting it from anybody. Now that he is there, they're still not getting it really from anybody. They can't get big hits. They can't come through in the clutch. And that's not the manager's fault necessarily, okay? Now, you want to talk about personal pride. You want to say we're not showing up, which sounds like it's more of a culture issue, which sounds like there's a lot more to it. That lays the blame and on the doorstep of a manager. And Booty would be the first to tell you. He understands that, right? That's just part of the job. That's why there's only 30 of these. Not easy. But if you're sitting there and you're Brian Cashman, I got to wonder, what were you doing last year? Now, look, I understand the judge thing, right? How to get that done. Brought Rizzo back. Everybody thought that was a good idea based on what he was in the clubhouse and what he was on the team. But relying on too many things to go right and too many kids to come through, did they not pay enough attention to the rest of the lineup? Did they have what it took in terms of finances because they had already spent for judge? Were they you know, trying to save extra? Who, who knows, right? With the, because this is ownership in a room. But that personnel wasn't improved enough, and they still can't get big hits. And when you are relying most of the season, and I love J.D., when you are relying most of the season on Josh Donaldson resurgence, and you're continuously telling me that Josh Donaldson resurgence, you got enough problems. And clearly you got big issues right now in New York. And it's probably time for a change at manager and a general manager. And I love Aaron Boone. And I think he's a very good manager in this game. And I think, you know, look, you come back back to back hundred win seasons. When you're first getting a job, you got to do something. And these aren't the Yankees of the nineties with their roster. You're a manager. You're doing something. But this may be too much right now going against both these guys and this team. Something needs to change. Something needs to give. And at least give the Mets credit that they gave up and gave in and cut their losses. Because I don't know what the hell the Yankees were doing at the deadline. Do you? Let me know your comments. Yankee fans, at Casey Stern, Twitter, X, I can't call it that. But wherever. YouTube, get to me. Comment in the video. I want to know. You're a Yankee fan. I mean, forget it. Seriously. What a nightmare. Let's move on. The National League has been a big conversation because we don't need to sit here and talk about it. We've done ad nauseum how great the Braves are. I've said all year they're the best team in baseball. Before the year, I said Braves and Astros. I'm still saying Braves and Astros. I, I'm, I'm you know, going to sit there and be stubborn, as I've said, that the Baltimore Orioles are a team that is deserves all the credit and deserves all the respect. And I can't guarantee you that if Scherzer or Verlander were traded there, they would have won a World Series. But I can guarantee you they would have had a way better chance. I don't know if Texas, despite what they've done in the pitching staff, which I liked, can get it done in a postseason yet because we haven't seen it yet. I know they got the manager to do it. I know they got some horses on that front end now to do it. I don't know if they're going to beat Houston. But it may go through Texas either way. Blue Jays, dangerous. We kind of know how the American League in Central it is what it is. We kind of know how it lays out, right? When you look at the National League, outside of the Atlanta Braves, everybody's been wondering, well, what is going on? Well, give the Dodgers a lot of credit because after an offseason where everybody said, including me, hey, look, you know, they didn't punt, but they didn't really, you know, they have a Dodger-Andrew Freeman offseason, right, where they went out there and they utilized money. And even though they get younger with prospects, they found a way to go spend and to add and, to get better and to get big. They didn't have that this off season, lost the law firm of both Turner and Turner and train Justin. Dealing with a lot of injuries, obviously no Bueller clearly at the front of that, you know, Kershaw on and off, <coughs> excuse me, may all the injuries that they've had and working with a, a staff that a lot of people didn't trust was good enough in a lineup that a lot of people, we know what Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman are, Right. A lot of people didn't know what kind of year Muncie would have. They didn't know whether or not they'd have enough depth in the lineup. And the Dodgers have proved to answer all of those questions and absolutely are legit. Are they as good a baseball team as the Braves? They're not. Does that mean they can't beat Atlanta in the postseason? It does not. Because last year, nobody had the Phillies who we'll get to in a second and the Padres who we'll get to in a second. Last year, getting there in an LCS and clearly... We know that in baseball, this is not the NBA, where LeBron can take Booby Gibson and Ogauskas one year, J.R. Smith and Shepard in another, and it's all about a couple of stars, and that's the way it goes. It's all about the best team, and that's the way it goes. Here, the way it goes is that it's the team that plays the best for three, four weeks. That simple. Dodgers, 72 up, 46 down, winners of nine in a row as I do this, nine games up on the Giants in the division, and sitting there now, only four and a half, outside of where the Braves are for that number one seed and home field advantage. A lot of people have been asking me, somebody asked me yesterday on a radio station in Jersey. They asked me who's the most dangerous team that fits into that trio. Is there one, you know, you got Milwaukee and Philadelphia and San Francisco and Miami and Chicago and Cincinnati and Arizona. Notice I didn't say San Diego. And you got all those teams that are sitting there. Who, who are the most dangerous team in the postseason? And for me, the clear answer is Philadelphia. Now, I could go as simple as look what happened last year and do that for the Phillies who lost to the Jays yesterday. They've lost three in a row. They're still 10 up over 500 and two and a half in that number one wild card spot over the Giants. But whereas the Giants and the Miami, to me, the Marlins, the Giants, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the teams in that area, Cincinnati, they all have similar problems. I don't know if your lineup is deep enough and has enough star power to get big hits in a postseason against the best pitching to go surprise and make a run. you got to be too perfect and fundamental in the margins because you're dealing with too many question marks, not enough depth in your roster, and and not enough, not enough star power. And eventually that's going to get you. Now, against each other, no. Could the Giants beat Miami? Could Miami beat the Giants? Yes and yes. Could Miami beat Arizona? Could Arizona beat the Giants? Could the Giants beat Arizona? You see where I'm going. Kind of crapshoot there. Love the moxie of the Cubs. Find them very interesting. But I think all those teams kind of a crapshoot, and there's only one that stands out, and that's Philadelphia. You can make a case that Philadelphia may be the most dangerous team to Atlanta in the National League, even more so than the Dodgers, because of how prepared they are for a postseason. I know Aaron Nola has not had a great year. Is ERA somewhere four and a half as I do this, right? Even Wheeler hasn't been, maybe to some as dominant just because of the high expectations in, in what they were at the end of last year. But when you look at Wheeler and what he's capable of and what we know he can do and what he's done most of the year, and you look at Nola and at least what he's capable of, and he's heading out the free agency, and you go look at what Lorenzen, who's already thrown a no-hitter, has done, you look at Ty, you look at Suarez. They got enough guys, and then in a short series, they're throwing two of them in the pen. In a long series, they're throwing one or two of them in the pen. Excuse me. When you've got all of that working for you, you got more than everybody else got, because that depth is there. When the back end of the bullpen, you can throw arms who have gas, in lefty and righty who can get big strikeouts, you're in a great spot. Now, look, I don't trust Craig Kimbrel. There was a stat when I was doing TBS years ago in the postseason when he was on the Red Sox and having his struggles and couldn't find the strike zone. There was a stat that Mariano Rivera could have come back to the big leagues and pitched in the postseason. This is a real stat. I think Jason Stark had this at the time because usually he has these great stats like this. It probably was from there. This was a real thing, and I remember we read it on the air. Mariano Rivera could have come back not recorded a single out, given up 47 runs, and he would have had a better, and this is real, had a better ERA in the postseason than Craig Kimbrell. Think about that. Well, now, you got Kimbrell who has become seemingly the closer, whether anointed or not, and you got a situation where Rob Thompson, a guy who really last year in the postseason showed he's willing to go for it and not go for it with, you know, ways you normally see where short, go for it in the pen you know, say, hey, if Alvarado's got to get that big out when they didn't have Soto, Alvarado got to get that out in the sixth. I don't care if I got another lefty, I'll figure it out. If I got to use a closer here, if I got to use Dominguez there, he would do in those things. Now, look, they probably ended up wearing out a little bit because of that. And they probably ended up coming up a little bit short in part because they did that too much. But they wouldn't have gotten to where they got in the World Series against Houston if they didn't do those things. And now they're still... I think built to do that and probably even better when you look at Soto Straub and, and the group that they have. And, and then Suarez or Walker in the bullpen and in even more depth there. And I love I love Suarez, that guy is a gamer. In big spots, you can go him in three innings as a starter in a spot, start three in the pen, two in the pen, throw an eighth inning, close a game. He going to be there. That's one of those dudes who raise that level when he gets in that big spot. <clears throat> but if you sit there and you look at Philadelphia, I can't trust Craig Kimbrell and that's a problem but they got front-end pitching and depth. They got back-end ability and some depth. And in the middle of the lineup, they got guys that, look, I don't know what version of Bryce Harper you're going to get. Hopefully his body is continuing if you're a Phillies fan to get ready and ready and ready to the point where he's feeling like, I'm in mid-season form when everybody else tired in October, and that's the hope. We can't we can't know that. I mean, he's done enough to prove himself when healthy, that if, if he's not great and it is what it is, you just got to understand that it is what it is because of, of you know, him not being ready physically and maybe pushing himself a little further than he should have too soon. But when you've got bats in that lineup, and they do, who have already shown they can get big hits in a postseason, and you've got the guys who can get big outs. Look, if you can get big, big hits against the best pitching late in games and you can get big outs late in games, you're way ahead of the pack. And you tell me, go look at app. look, Soler, is 30th homer. Yeah, you got some great stories there. You got great stories in the Giants. Go look at the Giants lineup. Go look at the Cincinnati pitching, right? Go sit there and look at, at Arizona running a lot of youth. And you go look in the depth of those lineups. I don't know if you got guys that scare you can get big hits. And the way Trey Turner is playing and advancing as the season wears on, it goes even better for him that if I can get you Schwarber, Turner, and Harper somewhere, one, two, three, perhaps at the top of your order, I'm in a good space, at least, to come around three, four times and give you some trouble in a postseason, especially in a series where the more they see those bullpen arms, the more they're going to have a chance to beat those bullpen arms that they're facing. That's what makes Houston so dangerous. It's it's the depth of that lineup, in addition to the fact that front end, even when they didn't have Verlander back, now they do, and back end, we know what they could do. The the, the Houston Astros can go down five nothing and have a, a crappy start, go score six runs in a seventh inning, and all of a sudden they're again way better than you, and their lineup can get you there and cut that gap, or they can win the game five nothing. They can win the game one nothing. Philadelphia can do those things. Now, have they done them consistently all year? They have not. But can they? They're more than capable. And to me, in the National League, they are the most dangerous team outside of Atlanta and outside of Los Angeles. And they may be more dangerous in the postseason than even the Dodgers. To me, the road to the World Series will go through Atlanta and Philadelphia. I believe that. Based on, again, depending on the matchups and and how all that works, who fits in one wild card and who plays who in, in all of that, which is yet TBD at this point. One more thing on the baseball side I want to hit, and then I want to get to a couple other things quickly. The San Diego Padres, they won yesterday as they do this. They're five and a half out. They gained a game back. They had dropped a six and a half out of the wild card. The crazy part about San Diego is, whereas the Mets, who are the other disaster, maybe even more so, clearly, who at least admitted and cut their losses, are so far away. And to me, this is not a team... They, they can have, in the wild card era... The Mets can can do enough tweaking to give themselves a competitive chance to make a playoff next year if things go right. It's possible, right? But the San Diego Padres could be a World Series threat next year. It's possible. Now, I don't know what happens with Snell. We don't have what happens a free agency. But this is a team, and I've said this, that is reminiscent to me of in covering that Red Sox team in 2013, Boston Strong. They had finished in last, I think, right the year before – and they had, they had star power, they had pieces, and things just didn't work out. Everything seemed to go wrong, even worse than this situation here. Might have been the chicken and beer even that year before. I don't remember. But not because it's been so many years. But I do know this, that in the offseason, they made the first two moves that were done that whole offseason in the sport. Both were the Red Sox. One was Rossi, now the manager of the Cubs, David Ross, and the other, Johnny Gomes. And those two guys were two of the biggest reasons that team went and won that World Series not because even though they had big hits and each had a big homer or two, not because of that, but because they were missing glue and missing culture, and the Padres are missing glue and missing culture. The Padres have star power. Look, I know Bogart's overpaid, but he's still, and I think he'll progress better as these years go on. To me, for all that Juan Soto hasn't done, he's had to carry the team offensively too many times, and the numbers are still very good. And when you look at him, look, is he, is he Trout or Otani? Right now, the way he's played, no, he's not. He's still one of the best players in baseball. He's still one of the best hitters in baseball. If you tell me I got Soto and I got Machado and I got Bogarts and I got Cronenworth and I got Tatis Jr., I got a chance and I got a good chance. And I'm not putting this on Bob Melvin. Now, managers deserve blame for everything, and within all of that, as heads of companies do or parents do with kids, and I get that, and he should get some. But to me, this is a... A.J. Preller into this offseason, and everybody's got their fascinations with A.J., whether they think he's great, or they think he's the most overrated GM in the league, or everybody's somewhere in between. Let me tell you where I am. He's got to go out there within the margins and do better. He's got to build build a team and that is glue. That is culture. That is depth where they need it in the margins, in the bullpen at the fringes of their, of their roster and finding winners and guys who can help breed better leadership in this room. Cause right now it's not good enough because when you lose as many, one, and I think they've lost more one run games. What is it? Is it? I'm trying to remember. I think it's games that have landed within two runs. They've got by far the worst record in the league. I mean, it's amazing how many games they've lost. And when that's happening, it it means a few things. One, it means your bullpen is failing you in a lot of spots because usually those are blown leads. And then two, and not only saves, but in, in that middle of that game where you can't get that baton to the haters of the world, right? And the other reason is because you're not coming through in big spots, similarly to what we talked about with the Yankees. San Diego Padres, though, to me, conversely to the Yankees or the Mets, have a roster that absolutely with a couple of tweaks could be right there and go win a division next year. That's what's so frustrating about San Diego. That's what makes it such a disappointment in San Diego. A couple of quick nuggets off baseball I, w- I want to get to and just bounce around a little bit. Give you some thoughts, okay? Uh, things that I've been thinking about here. Number one, let's go to James Harden, all right? Covering the NBA for years, loved basketball all my life. And James Harden is one of the most talented offensive players that I've ever seen. I don't care what age you are. He's one of the most talented offensive players you've ever seen. And that's about where his conversation should end. This guy is such a complete pain in the ass that it is unreal to me. It's not at the level of Kyrie Irving because it's a little bit different. But how many places has James Harden gone to? How many teammates have thought he's the guy that would add to the mix and he's the last part of a duo or a trio, whether it's in Houston or Brooklyn or everywhere else, that ain't going to go fix it and it just doesn't work? Now, when he gets in spots where other guys get injured and he's got to carry the load and he can go score 45 points, he looks like a hero. And every time he needs to come through in the clutch, like when Durant went down in game six and seven and they're sitting there and in in Houston, everybody's like, oh, okay, with Chris Paul stayed healthy, James Harden's still there and what the hell happened? Happened. And where the hell was he? Maybe one for ten or something like that in the second half, if I remember correctly. I don't even took like a shot in the third quarter of that second last half of that game. Not a guy who says, "Give it to me, I'm going to take it over." He's a pain in the ass. Enough. And I, I understand what Daryl Morey has been and had not been. And Philadelphia in general, I mean, something in the ooze in, in Philadelphia with that basketball team over, I don't even know how long. Since the beginning of the process, even when they think they're out of it, they're back in it. Even though when they think they're in the right direction, they're not following the yellow brick road. The Jets may not follow that and go to a Super Bowl. The Jets may be overrated because of the attention. Because of hard knocks, uh, certainly you know, predominantly because of Aaron Rodgers and because of the thoughts of what their defense was the last year, uh, what it was a year ago, and because of you know now Dalvin Cook coming in. But let me tell you something and get something clear, and this is on behalf of the Jet fans. Now, I'm not a Jet fan. I grew up in New York. I grew up in Long Island where a lot of people, even more so than are friends of mine as kids, were Jet fans more than a Giant fan, which I am. And I watched the Jets from Ken O'Brien, to, you know, and and that draft and Blair Thomas over Emmett Smith and all the other mistakes that they've made and Browning Nagel, who was undefeated in the postseason and in a preseason and then never got to a post and all these other things and all these other disasters. But let me defend the Jets and the Jet fan here. Leave the Jet fan alone for being excited. People getting on Jet fan, nobody likes to have other people be excited or happy about anything. If you're a Jet fan, your life has been miserable. You think as a Met fan, and it's the Ets or a Net fan, or even a Nick fan or an Islander fan, these are all my teams. But whoever you root for, right? Whatever team you root Pittsburgh Pirates in the last million years, you're over the whoever whatever team it is in whatever sport, right? Your Toronto Maple Leafs fan struggling to find out are they ever gonna win? Canadians fan, even worse in a lot of ways. Certainly, you know, at least they won at one point, although we're going back to Guy Carboneau. If you are sitting there and you are a Jet fan, if you're not, go put yourself in that place. When was the last time you were excited? You watched Rich Kotite. You've been dealing with butt fumbles. And here you are, where you got a chance now, where you got Aaron Rodgers with a with an exciting defense and guys like Sauce Gardner, and you think about the talent that they have offensively, the wideout position in terms of youth, and now adding Dalvin Cook. Let this team be excited. I don't know they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they're probably going to the playoffs. You think that's good enough? If you're a Jet fan? Leave these people alone. My God, let them enjoy themselves. Please. Let them enjoy themselves. Last thing. Staying in the New York area, but now shipping up to Boston. UFC 292 coming up this weekend. And I can't wait for this matchup of Aljamain Sterling and Chono Malley. I think it's going to be very exciting. It's clearly grappler versus striker if you're a UFC nut job like me. But I can't believe, look, I understand, but I don't understand the problems with Aljo, right? Look, first of all, people like strikers more than they like grapplers because we all like to see knockouts. And the funk master is funky in terms of his offensive abilities with the striking, and he's not going to be knocking anybody out, probably anytime soon. TKO when he's got a backpack, maybe. But on the on the feet, probably not. All right. But we always sit there and we say, we want people to be who they are. We don't want them to pander. We don't want people to sit there and be fake. At least that's how I feel. And I think a lot of people are that way in terms of his sports fans right now and in life. In 2023, way too much fake literally everywhere. People will be more two-faced than you could well uh, you probably could believe. If you're watching or listening to this because we're all living it, right? But in that world, here's a guy who's not trying to get you to like him. He's not. He's sitting there and he's telling it like it is. He's telling you about how he feels. If he's extra confident, overconfident, how he feels about opponents. If he cares about whether or not you know you're sitting there playing Fortnite with him as he says like he does with O'Malley and I like Sugar Sean O'Malley as well but I can't believe the crap that Aljo gets the only guy who's even in the conversation for Bantamweight's all time with him is Dominic Cruz that's it that's it the only dude outside of that there's not even anyone there give this guy some credit give him some flowers he said 99 he said on the, my guy Ariel's show 99.9 chance probably his last fight in the Bantamweight division Win or loss, give this guy his flowers for what he's done. Give him some love for the run that he's had. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff people are going against him for, not his fault. What Jan did in that first fight, not his fault. TJ Dillashaw coming in with one arm, not his fault. And he did what he was supposed to do with Cejudo, and I thought he won that fight. I'm pumped for this one. Your thoughts on UFC 92, backtracking, Harden, Jets, give me that. Anything across the league in baseball, hit me up at Casey Stern. Get me along the way on YouTube. I put this on my YouTube channel, but for those of you who are in the area, in Georgia, anywhere in Georgia, coming up on Friday, August 18th, they'll be hosting the second karaoke event that I've done. We're doing these monthly now, every third Friday in Alpharetta, Georgia, at a place called Rock and Roll Sushi on Windward Parkway and come on down, talk some sports. We had a lot of fun. We packed the house the last time. Great music, great vibes. You get free sushi for everybody who sings. We talk a lot of sports and get into a bunch of different things. Be hosting that event coming up at 7 p.m. Friday night, Windward Parkway, right here in Alpharetta, Georgia. Come see me on the 18th. In the meantime, I will see you next time. We at Unfiltered, as always, presented by our good friends at Bet Online.